Good afternoon, it's 12pm and it's time for the MoneyWeb at Midday Show. I'm Warren Thompson and it's Tuesday the 15th of May. Coming up on the show today, we'll be speaking to Investec Property Fund CEO Nick Riley following the company's full year results to the end of March. We'll be getting some reaction to him regarding the numbers as well as uh, a better idea hopefully of how the company is going to be increasing its offshore exposure. Uh, that'll be coming up in just a minute. And then following that, we'll be talking markets with David Shapiro from Sasfin Wealth. So just remember that this show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Is the land expropriation without compensation plan the biggest threat to the new dawn as promised by new President Ramaphosa? Can South Africa make any progress against the background of increasing protest action, strikes, low economic growth? Attend the Brenhurst Wealth SA Kurvadi seminar series hosted in association with MoneyWeb to hear the insights of five leading experts, Magnus Haystek of Brenhurst, Ralph Mateja, political analyst, Magna Vieseska of Signia, Glenn Owen of Momentum and Jean-Pierre Fester of Fairtree Capital. Bookings at www.quicket.com. Co.za. Search for Brenthurst. Right, you're back with the uh, midday show. Investec Property Fund announced uh, full year results to the end of March today that uh, saw an 8.5% increase in the dividend per share year over year. The full year dividend coming in at 1.38. And the company delivered a total return to shareholders of 21%. Uh, joining me on the phone now uh, from Johannesburg, I imagine, is Nick Riley, the, the, the Investec Property Fund CEO. Good to uh, speak to you, Nick. Hi, good afternoon, Warren. Thanks for having me. So uh, perhaps we can just start, Nick, with your reaction there, an 8.5% increase in uh, dividend per share and a 5.7% like-for-like uh, net property income growth. I got the sense from reading your uh, your press release that accompanied the results that you know it's been uh, quite a challenging uh, environment for the last few years, and uh, we're certainly hoping that the uptick in sentiment that we saw in December is going to carry through. So perhaps just start off and give us your reaction to, to the numbers you've posted today. Yeah, well, I think, I think you're 100% right. I mean, and it's an extremely tough uh, operating environment. Um, across all of our sectors, uh, you know, we're experiencing subdued demand um, and in a lot of nodes and sectors, excess supply. Um, so it's almost uh, you get hit with a double whammy. So to extract growth uh, out of our base has been a challenge uh, on renewals and new lets. But, yeah, I think the result is, is certainly pleasing. I, I think it's a good result in a challenging environment. Um, being able to deliver, it was eight and a half percent, but there there was a one-off in those in those numbers, an antecedent dividend from our Australian uh, sister company. So, like for like, or core growth was six point one, and as we said, five point seven in a net property income level, which is is the core metric that we measure growth. So, we managed to get positive growth out of uh, out of all three sectors. So, retail being the best performing, I think uh, the portfolio has been pretty resilient through the cycle and our strategy of, uh, of acquiring or owning niche retail or, or dominant centers has certainly come through. So growth of 7.8% there and, and industrial and offices really where we're seeing uh, the constrained growth. Um, office, you know, particularly in your, in your bigger metro nodes where you just need to look at sand and the cranes in the sky, um, significant uh, supply and, and your base of tenants not really growing. So pretty difficult to, to get growth out of uh, the office and industrial sectors. So there we were 47 
percent growth in uh, in office and and 4.4 percent in industrial. Uh, Nick, you also indicated uh, just talking to that point around the the, the challenging environment, uh, the uptick in vacancies to 4.8 percent. Uh, was there any particular uh, common trend there, or, or was it one sector in particular, or one one geographical area in particular that you uh, that you see as most challenging? Yeah, look, I, th- I think we'd be we'd come off an extremely low base, Warren. So uh, we've really, in terms of vacancies, been well below where the sectors traded. So you know, certainly the environment uh, has certainly impacted us in this 12 months. So um, the increase was largely related to to uh, industrial shares. Um, we had one tenant who went into liquidation of 10,000 square meters, um, and then another a large tenant of a 21,000 square meter shed that uh, consolidated some of their facilities. So. That was the biggest contributor, and then some other small pockets of space in in the in the, in, in four ways uh, and and Randburg in, in the office note. So uh, retail um, slight uptick in vacancies, but a lot of that was uh, was planned vacancies and some of our redevelopment. So uh, our core vacancy in retail remained at 1.2, but industrial uh, and and office had ticked up to five. So retail and industrial still well below. Or, sorry, retail and office still well below uh, industry averages, and uh, and the industrial, you know, kind of at industry average. Okay, just uh, on that, uh, I know you have a number of options when uh, when you when 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 vacancies tick up, or when you want to attract uh, certain types of tenants into the properties. Um, you can redevelop properties, and also, I guess, at a portfolio level, you can you can reorganise the portfolio. Has there been any thinking around that uh, in in terms of changing what you own at the moment in response to the market conditions? Yeah, I think capital allocation is always front of mind for us. We need to be making sure that our money is earning the best return for our shareholders. So, you know, whether that's through acquisition or disposal. So we regularly do an analysis of each of the underlying assets, um, you know, to ensure that they're generating a return over and above what our hurdle cost of capital is. And, you know, that's in the current environment and looking forward, you know, so whether there's significant capex to be spent on assets. So recycling assets is certainly a, a core focus for us and something that we look at on an ongoing basis and then making sure that our money is working for shareholders. Okay, great. Uh, one of the uh, the statements I found intriguing, and I, I wanted to just understand a little bit better in the, in, in the release, uh, you said that you're targeting 10% of your balance sheet to what you uh, call broken core opportunities, which on a risk-adjusted yes. uh, basis look attractive. Give us a little bit of a, a insight and color as to what you're referring to there. Yeah, sure. I, I think, uh, you know, to date, our, our focus in terms of building the portfolio has been around core assets. And when I refer to core assets, you know, it's properties that are well-located, um, that have tenants with strong covenants that are occupying it, um, that have long-dated lease expiries and, and pretty minimal asset value uh, extraction out of those properties. So relatively low-risk properties and delivering, you know, an attractive uh, return over the long term. Right. What we mean by broken core is one of those elements is broken um, and where potentially the market, whether it's the seller or a buyer, is potentially mispricing that. So where we've got the capability, you know, to unlock that value. So, you know, if you've got a shorter date at lease expiry, the property is well-located, um, you know, the rentals are either under-rented um, or there's capex to be spent on a building, you know, where we can lift the value up and lift the rentals up. So where there's an element where there's a bit of risk on it, um, but we believe that we've got the skill set to unlock that value. And certainly I think that's an area um, where we do believe there, there is value to unlock versus, you know, the traditional core asset where pricing 
uh, you know, certainly in this market, one opportunities are difficult to come by and pricing expectations are pretty steamy. So, you know, at, at, at the level sellers are willing to sell, you know, wheat back or, you know, to get the returns to work for us. So it is a slight uh, increase on the risk curve, but we certainly think we've got the ability to unlock those values on the opportunities where we find them. And that's being executed as we speak. So do you already own what you call these uh, these opportunities already, or is that uh, uh, things that just acquisitions you're still looking at? Yeah, so we, I mean, there's a number of opportunities that we've looked at. We haven't yet executed on one. A- again, it's not a race to deploy capital into these types of opportunities. Sure, we always sure. measure in terms of assessing the opportunity and is that is, is the return commensurate to the risk that we're undertaking. So uh, there are opportunities out there, but we very measured in the approach and, and we'll deploy capital into the right one. And whether we do that ourselves or whether we look to partners, you know, with a network of clients or, or a, a network of partners that we've got as invested property fund, you know, it, it could be either either or. Okay. I think uh, the, the obviously the, the next big thing, uh, the strategic target of, of uh, generating 20% of the fund's income from offshore assets uh, was uh, can be linked to uh, the uh, post-year-end acquisition that you made on this, so what you refer to as the European logistics platform. Just talk us through uh, that transaction and, and why you found that appealing and whether Europe will be uh, perhaps the target of more acquisitions for you in terms of reaching that strategic uh, goal of yours. Yeah, I think when you look at our existing off- offshore ex- exposure, it's into Investec Australia property funds, so our, our sister Australian fund and then into an unlisted platform in the UK. Um, you know, we've always deployed capital where in, Investec has infrastructure on the ground, so where we have people that understand the macro and the micro. You know, it's hard enough to make money in these markets in your home country, so going into a geography where you don't have uh, you know, that detailed depth and understanding of it is a challenge. So this was strategically a new direction for us in that we're going into a geography where we don't necessarily have infrastructure on the ground. I think the opportunity is attractive from a, a number of uh, points. One, we really like the logistics space in Europe. It's less developed than certainly US and the UK in terms of online trend. Uh, as an average across Europe, online sales have only penetrated, you know, majority less than 10% across those developed markets. So the impact of online on your logistics sector, uh, online generally takes three times the space um, as it was in, would in traditional bricks and mortar because of reverse logistics, uh, online returns, etc. So I don't think Europe has seen that cyclical or structural shift in rental because of the increased demand. Right. Um, our partners... Uh, Aries being our partners, um, you know, we spent a lot of time with them over the last seven to eight months. Um, you know, we, we've got a very similar investment philosophy into real estate. And I think the strategy, again, it's, uh, you know, we're not buying 10 or 15 year Amazon leases. Um, the opportunities that we're looking for, we're buying at below replacement costs, relatively short lease expiries where those assets are under rented. And, you know, we believe that, that value can be extracted out of them. Um, you know, similarly, the debt in Europe remains cheap. Um, first and foremost for us is property fundamentals, albeit the cheap debt in, in Europe is attractive. And, you know, from a from a South African deployment of capital with the, the strengthening of the RAND, it's a lot cheaper for us to deploy capital into developed markets than it was, you know, six to 12 months ago. So, you know, it ticked all of those boxes and, and we're very excited about the opportunity. All right, great. Uh, perhaps just to round out the interview, Nick, uh, what, what sort of guidance uh, or your, what are you aiming to deliver in terms of your uh, core dividend growth for the year ahead? So we've given guidance 65 to 7.5%. 
Um, you know, I think we've mentioned in the guidance that, you know, SA remains challenging and, and we certainly don't see in the next, you know, 12 months some of the sentiment translating into direct and real growth. So SA continues to be a challenge. Um, but, you know, the European acquisition does contribute to the growth. So I think we've got a diversified base of quality real estate where we're delivering in line, I think, in where the market expected us to be, albeit maybe a slightly different mix. But, you know, I, I think in, in this market, you've got to box smart and, you know, you've got to look at alternatives and being able to deliver growth in, in markets which are challenging. All right, great. Well, great to have you on the show. And, and obviously, uh, we look forward to uh, engaging with you in the future. Super, Warren. Thanks very much for having me. Great. Uh, That was Nick Riley, the CEO of Investec Property Group. MoneyWeb has a unique opportunity for financial advisors. Through our Click and Advisor offering, advisors can interact with a growing investor-based audience and attract new clients. To find out more, visit www.moneyweb.co.za. Right, time to have a quick look at the markets. Uh, the All Share Index trading uh, 1% lower at the moment at 58,058 points uh, and being led down primarily by industrials down almost 1.5%. Uh, financials not far behind, down 1.2%. Uh, gold mining down almost uh, uh, four to, almost uh, three quarters of a percent. And resources up, though, uh, almost half a percent. Behind Nuspers is the most traded share on the bourse. We've got BHP Billiton and then Clicks. Uh, followed by Standard Bank, so quite an interesting set of companies that are uh, whose shares are changing hands there. Uh, the rand is trading at 12.44 to the US dollar. It's lost uh, three quarters of a percent. Also making uh, losses against the pound, where it's down uh, two thirds of a percent to 16.84. The euro costing 14.83, down three quarters of a percent. Gold's at 1,310 dollars, while platinum and palladium uh, losing today as well. Uh, platinum down one and three quarters of a percent to $907 an ounce. Palladium at $980 an ounce, down 1%. But here to talk uh, markets with me is David Shapiro from Sasfin. Good to talk to you again, David. Yeah, day when everything's down. <laughs> Warren, every time, you know, you know what's into I love it. Every time the U.S. 10-year bond goes above three, suddenly people run scared and start uh, invoking or start worrying about growth trade, uh, geopolitical issues, and so on. And so we go backwards. For slightly below uh, 3%, everybody gets bullish again. And, you know, we're talking in decimal points now, but uh, that's what happened last night in the U.S. Uh, rates picked up there. That's why the dollar's gone stronger. The rand's gone a lot weaker. And suddenly we find everybody who was buying yesterday is now selling. And that's, uh, that's, those are the kind of movements we go through. So you, you've covered a lot of things, but I just want to mention one thing, is that the, at the bottom end of the market where we're seeing most pain is still around Steinhoff, and I see Star or uh, Steinhoff Retail now under a lot of pressure. As people now begin to worry that Techie Town and Pip are suddenly going to leave this company um, in, in some kind of legal claims by either Mr. Visser or by the uh, Techie Town executive. So I'm looking at Star now down uh, almost 8% to 16.26. And, and, you know, there's nothing new. I mean, it's it's whether these will be successful or whether the uh, claims against Steinhoff will be successful. Steinhoff itself just keeps losing value. It's down at 148, down another 6% bat as well. A lot of trade in uh, in bat, which is break. 
And once more, I think uh, executives are just starting to to take some cash. I, I assume it's Visa that's selling. You know, he's no longer involved there, but. Um, you know, some big trade, almost 220 million rands worth of trade now, shared down about 8%. So all the weak, you know, the weak, um, they don't, they, these don't show up on the indices. They're too small to show up on the indices, but uh, that's where some of the trade, you know, the, the interesting trades are taking place at the moment. So I think the, the, the narrative has been, David, that uh, Star was... Uh, relatively um, untainted by yes. the ac- allegations of accounting irregularity, but certainly the problem is 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 the the companies that have been vended into Star, which include yeah. Techie Town and Pepco, as you've mentioned, uh, those were uh, in many cases for share transactions. So the vendors were taking mm. shares in Steinoff in exchange mm. uh, f- as part of the the deal, and uh, I mean. Just, just on those That's grounds, good. outside of Visa's claims, but certainly with respect to Techie Town, I mean, if you'd sold your business into, into Steinoff and received shares, and then uh, as part of the agreement, you weren't allowed to sell the shares for, in many cases, as long as three years. Uh, yeah. I mean, you would, I would imagine, David, you would you've be aggrieved. you a lot of value. Yeah, yeah you, of you would you be aggrieved. Um, and you've, you've lost your entire wealth. You know, virtually your entire wealth has been decimated. So that's where it's coming from, and and uh, this is you know huge implications this whole Steinoff story. I, it's going to go on for many many years. I there, there's so many cases being brought to the courts. I'm not quite sure how this is all going to be handled, um, from Coronation to Visa to uh, GT Ferreira and so on. These are men with deep deep pockets who can afford to uh, to keep going at it. How this unfolds, I don't know. I, I, it's just a tragedy. It's a South African business tragedy, and and that's what we're seeing. Over and above that, you know, banks. I think I think uh, on the other side, as we opened up, uh, you know, with with uh, the dollar uh, strengthening, rand under pressure, merging markets being sold. We're seeing a lot of uh, uh, our banks and retailers being sold down here, virtually across the board. We're being held up slightly by some of the rand head shares like ANB, ABM Bev and British American Tobacco, which is purely on on rand translation and that. But uh, uh, one of these ugly days, we have two good days, one ugly, then we have another three ugly days and two good days, and so it goes. <laughs> Jeez, uh, just incredible. Uh, just, look, uh, just looking again, uh, perhaps one last question for you, David, or one put to me by uh, one of our readers. Uh, we have business rescue in South Africa. Mm. Is there an equivalent process in, in Europe? I don't know the European one. I know Chapter 11 in the U.S. Yes. Um, I don't know what it's called in Europe, to be honest. But that's a good question. We will find out. I like business rescue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it, it, they're all the same. <laughs> We're going to stop paying you creditors while we try to get our business right. Tough. We'll come to we'll come to the table. We've messed things up, but it does. Um, it, it it it's really breathing space, so they can uh, really break up the company and try get it to uh, you know try get it refunded. I will look that up. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, that would be interesting. Uh, Starnoff down six percent to one hundred forty nine, mm. and it's. Uh, it's uh, it's sibling star down uh, 7.75 percent at the moment. You think one more claim, uh, if one more claim comes, uh, one one more large claim comes, 
Uh, it might be all over because then they might just have to file for bankruptcy. But uh, let's see where that goes. David, always interesting chatting. Um, and on that happy note, I'll, I'll let you uh, let you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cheers, Robert. Thanks. That was David Shapiro, the Deputy Chairman of Sasfin Wealth. Remember that the show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond, especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saiga.co.za. All right. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb at Midday show. Uh, We'll be back uh, at the same time tomorrow. Of course, plenty of radio shows uh, hosted by MoneyWeb. In between that, uh, English and Afrikaans speaking radio shows get going at 6 p.m. on RSG and SAFM respectively. And the Classic Business Breakfast gets going at 7 a.m. on the Classic FM 1027. Be sure to tune into those. Until the same time tomorrow, cheers for now. 